Hello, welcome to episode two of the Red Card Club. To join today, as always, by the legend that is Dan Leo, the uh, the bigger legend that is Sam Tuitupu today. They share that legendary status. Uh, and today's special guest, Johnny Leota. Um, hello, gentlemen. How are we all? Not bad, guys. Good to be back. Feeling not too bad over here, this side of the world, boys. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Good, uh, good to good to have you on, Johnny. Um, as always, with all of our uh, our guests, we open the show um, with our, our, our favourite red card moment. And uh, Johnny, uh, Dan's already described you as the cleanest player he's ever known in Christendom. No, no, no. I said I said I didn't I didn't say the cleanest player I had ever known. I said the cleanest Samoan player I ever knew. There's a difference there. <laughs> He's still the worst player to ever <laughs> play for Sale. <laughs> um, talk us through your favourite red card moment, mate. <laughs> I'm not sure it's the favourite one, but I've, I've had two of my time and that's about it. Uh, so when we played against Wasp away, uh, I was having a terrible game where I dropped my fifth ball. Uh, the player hit me off the ball as soon as I hit the ground. He shoved my head in the ground and I just got, uh, he got a reaction out of me. I got up, he went off. I went to go try push him and foot trip him, but then I ended up pushing him and kicking him. And then, uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, the ref sent me to the naughty corner for the rest of the game. Can I just ask a question? Were you did, were you uh, did you accept the uh, the ban or did you appeal appeal that? Uh, no, I accepted the ban. Um, it was it was more of a reaction from me, but uh, also uh, got an apology from the player who I ended up who ended up coming to sale and being a player here and become good friends with. So. Nice. <laughs> Thanks, uh, thank, thanks, Johnny. It's always uh, always good to hear um, uh, different red card experiences on the pitch. Rugby, um, guys, a uh, bit of bit of a Johnny spotlight, if you will. Um, Johnny in the studio with Sammy there, hugging up close. Good to see the uh, the brothers' rivalry. Um, Dan, Dan asked me to um, to change the questions about Johnny, so um, I'm, I'm sorry if you've already prepped your good answer those. Uh, but before we kick on, who's got the uh, worst on-field chat, Dan or Sammy? You have to be Dan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and when we talk about red cards before, I'm sure they've missed about 20 of his high knee um, into contact. Yeah, red cards. I tell well. you what, if if they were, <laughs> mate, I'm tall. I'm six foot six. My knees are going to be higher than yours anyway. <laughs> you know, I don't know if uh, if you've seen the um, the the wrestler called uh, Jimmy Fry Slims uh, Slims Nuka. <laughs> I mean, that's Johnny's uncle, mate. <laughs> so I think I think I think we've established it's uh, it, it's Dan. Question number two, Johnny. Before we uh, before we go in seriously, um, when one of them started talking for a bit of a team motivation, which, which one would you disappear quick to get some water and some meds? Did you say which yeah. one of these two? Can you say both? Yeah, you can, mate. Yeah, that's 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 absolutely fine. See, Johnny, you've had you've had the opportunity to play with um, these two boys. Um, talk talk to me first about your experience with Sammy, and then on to Dan. So obviously with Sammy, um, it was probably one of the reasons I moved over to Sale uh, when the Sale were looking at signing me. I was going on the phone, talked to Steve Diamond, and he just told me what he was trying to build at Sale. And I, I asked him who the other midfielder was, and he told me it was Sammy. And obviously, I've watched Sammy all the way from high school. Um, and it, then and once he told me it was that, I was just like, oh, man, I want the opportunity to play with this guy. I've watched him play, small little guy, smashing big fellas. I said, I want to see what this guy's about. And then obviously, when I joined the club, hadn't even met Sammy. The first time I met him was when I was getting my food, and he uh, downtrodden in front of all the boys. Oh, so, in English terms, keg. <laughs> 
kicking in front of the boys, and I just like, turn around. And now I've just figured out, like, he's a hard man on the field, but he's a great girl. And uh, with, with Dan, he, <laughs> we've had, had a few good times with Dan. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, don't give away my don't give away my little secrets, mate. You're listening to the Red Car Club with me, Simon Kibbe, Sammy Tuatupu, and Dan Leo. Who's uh, uh, out of the two of them, Johnny? Who would uh, who would back you up quickest on the field? Dan, I think it'll be definitely Dan, mate. Definitely Dan. He's the fighter, mate. I know. I was, yeah, I'm not sure if Sam would back me, but I think I'd be backing him up. No way, I was backing up any any. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> I'm not sure what YouTube videos I've seen of Sammy, but I mean, he just cuddles people. I, I don't see anything else. Yeah. Big spoon, mate. Big spoon, they call me. Yeah, um, so, so, Johnny, um, you've, uh, what, what point of your career did you think, okay, I've, I've probably got another couple of years inside me playing the game. Um, now's, now's the time to look beyond uh, playing. Where, where, when did that start for you and what kind of thoughts were going through your head? Uh, sort of when I hit, hit the thirties, I look back in my career, and then obviously talking to uh, like players, play, past players, about uh, the transition, um, and then reading articles of p- uh, players who struggle with depression because because uh, of post rugby, and it sort of got me thinking because obviously I've, I've I've got five kids, and I didn't want to get myself into that state where I had to deal with like depression and stress and all this stuff. So I. There was uh, the RPA actually came into the the club and then offered, well not offered, but uh, told us about starting up this uh, leadership and business management course, where eight of our players jumped on and sort of roped me in. So I just thought, you know what, well, if I don't start now, I won't st- uh, I won't start ever. So I jumped in with about eight of them, and then um, to be honest, if they weren't on the course, I probably would have finished after the first year because. Studying's not my thing. I wasn't. I wasn't any good at school. Uh, I had nothing else. I was more of a practical person. So I thought, while I can, while I'm a professional rugby player and I can afford to uh, afford to pay for my uh, <laughs> my tuition fee, I might as well do it. And so, yeah, did it with uh, did it with the boys a couple of times. I struggled. Sort of reached out to the boys a few times, and they um, they helped me immensely. And then. Uh, lucky enough to uh, graduate after it, uh, and to be honest, like it was good to get the degree. But in terms of where I wanted to go in rugby, I didn't know where I wanted uh, to go, so I wasn't too sure. So I've just been chucking my head and uh, my finger in every pie, really. Or well, done Bible courses, PT, uh, coaching, and sort of doing a bit of coaching now. And at the moment, that's the pathway I want to head down. But obviously, with like like playing rugby, you're not going to sort of put your eggs all in one basket. I'm sort of keeping my my options open and I'm sort of heading down the coaching career at the moment, but if something pops up and, you know, takes my interest, then I'll try that as well. So but that's that's where it went in terms of uh, uh, preparing for life after rugby. 
Yeah. Johnny, did you did you just say that you did some Bible courses or ba- was it Bible courses? Because I thought because <laughs> <laughs> if it was Bible courses, I think you must have, you Bible must have courses. had a massive conversion since on you, you were playing for playing for Samoa. But um, <laughs> no, I think um, one of the things there um, that, that that strikes me um, is interesting, bro, is um, the fact that you you, you know you because you know I'll be nice to you on camera. I wouldn't ever say this to your face in private, but you know you are probably one of the, the smarter guys that I know. But the fact that you say that you weren't were very good at school but then you you know you're practical do you, do you think that um there's there's other islanders who probably f- um, fit into that carry and is it is it that we're, we're just not we're just not switched on or is it do you think the system and the fact that we learn differently what, what are your what are your thoughts on that i, I mean hopefully you, you realize now you know looking back that you are actually um you know the fact that you've got yourself a degree and you've come, come through that with flying colors shows that you are actually smart but maybe just you know in a, in a different way would you say that's um that rings a bit of a, a bell. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I think I think it's just the way that we were taught. I like I've just learned for myself. I'm more of a practical person, and like I'm a, I'm a slow learner. But once I pick things up, like I can I can nail every detail. And I, I think that's the way it goes with a lot of the with a lot of the island boys when they they try to learn something. They think they can't do it. They think they're dumb, and so they give themselves this. Give themselves this, I don't know, what would you say? Uh, they, they, think they're, they, they, they think they're done. And so they sort of carry themselves throughout these years thinking, oh, yeah, I'm dumb, okay, I need to be a rugby player. But then when we figure out, we learn different ways in the way you, uh, I guess you can say it's self-awareness. If, you get, if you're more aware on how you, how you work and how you operate, the best you can get out of yourself. And I've just found that... Uh, I'm more of a practical person, and then more the more inquisitive I become, then the more I learn. I'm more of a hands-on person, and that's, I guess, a, a lot of Pacific rugby players can um, relate to as well. Because if you if you look at it, you look at a lot of Pacific Island players; they're real creative in terms of uh, like drawing, barbering. You see a lot of them out there; like they're, they're creative jobs. This podcast. Is rugby. Johnny, um, uh, Sam is quite creative when it comes to reasons that you should go out on the booze as well. So I, I kind of understand what you uh, what, what you're getting. No, at no, there. no. To, to be honest, Simon, it's uh, it's all about fitting into the culture here in England. So you know, obviously, I wasn't a drinker back in New Zealand, but sort of coming <laughs> here, sort of meeting my wife, and that you know, you've got to adapt to the situations and and to the culture and that you're you're in. So. Uh, so that's how I'm, um, I am at the moment, Si. Mate, mate, that's a strong response when Liz isn't in the room. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't move to Wales then, eh, bro? <laughs> but, it's, you know, sometimes we've got to realise that, you know, um, when we get to a point that, you know, with some guys like some of the Pacific Island boys like Dan, um, you know, when they have too much, they just carry on and they get get out of control, you know. So that's where me and Johnny come into um, into this play, uh, into this piece now is like trying to get boys to understand is that boys have limits, and when you get to that limit, you got to sort of you know know your limits and then finish off. And then it's your taxi time. Yeah, taxi. <laughs> that's why they call me Sammy Uber. Uh, Sammy Uber. So I always Uber everyone home, mate. Still in my uh, still in my photos, <laughs> mate. Um, 
So, yeah, you talk, you talk, you talk about mental health quite passionately. Um, you, you're quite open about it, which is, you know, pretty, pretty brave for a, a professional rugby player. It's getting better. Um, what, why, why is it so important to you that you're, you're so vocal about the, the, the challenges, the, the well-being and mental health challenges in, in rugby and coming out of rugby? Just similar to what I mentioned before about like self-awareness. Um, obviously growing up, we're in any Pacific Island family, yeah, you sort of, you're sort of told not to show emotion, so when you cry, you get you get a hiding for crying. <laughs> and say they say say when you you know say if we were to get a hiding, they're like, oh, I'll give you a reason to cry if you keep crying. So it's just like, oh, okay. So obviously we hide and hide in all these emotions, and then I just I just find that it sort of in in ways restricts you from being the person you want to be. And then uh, with me being a father, I don't want to do that to my kids. So I want I want my kids to be able to you know come and see me when they're having <clears throat> troubles. I want them to be able to open up. I want them to be, you know, know that they're loved and you know want to express themselves. And that's why I think it's important to me because I think too many people sort of think that they can't like go out and speak. And the more people you speak to, like I want to know people. I want I want people to know who I am. I don't want to have to try to act to be a different person. Like when I played rugby, at times I put this persona on that I was this really tough guy, but really I just wanted to, you know, just go around, you know, sing, dance, be silly, joke. Because sometimes when you're in a rugby, rugby environment, you have to be this big, like, tough guy. And I, when I played rugby, yeah, that's, that's fine. When you're on the field, flick of the switch. But then when I'm off field, I just wanted to be myself. But at times I felt... Yeah, I couldn't show those uh, <laughs> show that side of me, but that's that's what it was for me. I guess it's it's a really topical um, conversation at the moment. You know, this mental health and and depression uh, in sports players. You know, not just rugby players, but particularly um, you know this week's news. Um, you know, of the of the of the uh, the passing away of uh, Chris, Christophe Dominici, the uh, the French player. Um, uh, you know, it's just coming out, you know, uh, and, 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 and bless his soul. And, you know, our condolences go out to his family and the, and the French rugby public at this time. Um, but, you know, um, it's not just our communities. Um, you know, it's something that we all need to be aware of. It's, a, it's, it's, a, you know, it's, it's, it's a male thing, this whole stigma. And, um, you know, seeing, seeing guys like Johnny come out and, 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 um, you know, um, speak openly about these kind of things and you know um um is is massive and uh, i know johnny you've you, you've just picked up an ambassadorial role with um i think it's a blokes um yeah um could you just tell us a bit about that and, and that organization so yeah just just raising awareness for uh for men's mental health and just um trying to normalize the conversations trying to get uh males to tell their tales um just share the word, really. Like we don't discriminate against mental health, and to be honest, I didn't really know too much about it until we did the mental health course with uh, the Pacific Player Rugby Welfare. And once I sort of get an understand of that, then sort of look back at my look back, look back over my life and reflect, and just you know, see how much how much work can be done and how much we can do to help others. If you look at other uh, companies like. Um, like Loose Head, they, they do such a good job and everyone's 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 willing to speak now and you see a lot more professional rugby players speaking and and that, that's a good it's such a good thing because now others can see that, you know, rugby players are out there sharing their 
sharing their stories and sharing that they're out there to care for others. And I think um, it's in it's heading in the right direction, making like small progress, but progress is good. Uh, any progress is good progress. Rugby. Johnny, do you um, do, what what work? And, and you and Dan uh, do some ter- uh, terrific work on this. What what more can we do with clubs, with kids coming through academies to um, to educate around? Hey, do you know what? It's okay to to express yourself. It's it's okay to be to be a bit down. It's okay to be sad. It's okay not to be tough all the time. What what more can we do? I think just let kids be kids. I think sometimes when we let them play sports. Uh, as parents, some people will try to live yeah. their dreams through their kids. So they're like, oh, okay, no, no, don't do it this way. This way, Don't do it that way. Okay, you need to go for a run. You're not fit. Okay, we need to take you to a, we need to take you to a speed coach to get you faster. Well, how about just let the kid just do what he wants? Let him express himself. Let him, if he wants to do bunny rabbit jumps on the field, let him do bunny rabbit uh, jumps if it, if it makes him happy. I just think just let kids be kids, you know? I, I, I was guilty of it with my, my, my son and my daughter growing up, like I was quite harsh on, especially my eldest child who's 18 now, was just like, oh, you need to be going for runs. If you want to, be, if you want to, if you want to do well in netball, then you need to be fit. You need to have this skill, that skill. After every game, give her like a bit, like, you know, analyze her game, tell her what she did wrong instead of telling her what she, you know, what she did right and what she did enjoy. And now I've, now I've, now I've seen it for myself and like, you know, as a dad, when I like look at her, and I was just like, man, if if I was her, I'd be cringing at my father doing it to me because my father used to do that to me. It was just like, when I get home, they'd be like, how many tries did you score? Not, did you enjoy your game? <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, <laughs> with, with my son, with my son and my my kids now, I just make sure they enjoy it first, and just you know, make sure they're learning and make. Make sure that they wanted they want to do rugby. My son didn't want to play rugby because of uh, all the pressure I put on him. And then one thing he wanted to do was jujitsu because because of the Ninja Turtles. He thought Ninja Turtles did jujitsu, so he wanted to do it. And then there's a change of his attitude and to wanting to do jujitsu was just like, oh man, there it is. He wants to do this, so I'm just going to step back now and just let him do what he wants. <laughs> Oh, all this time, I, was, I thought it was from all the uh, Hawaiian um, pizzas you used to eat. <laughs> <laughs> so now, and so, yeah, and so I let him do jiu-jitsu, and then my uh, my youngest, my youngest daughter under him wanted to do rugby, so I started doing rugby with it in the back of the back of the house, and then um, all of a sudden, he's watching me doing rugby with my daughter, and he wants to join in, and so we all start doing it together, and then it sort of kicked him from there, now he, now he loves it, and it sort of rolled on to all the rest of the kids, so... That's my approach to it now in terms of what or how how my kids enjoy sports and rugby. But th- thanks, Johnny. It, it, uh, I guess in a, you know another question for you, Dan, Sammy. Um, academies, as we know, especially you know, I, I'm only used to the, the academies in England and how the Premiership academies work. They're they're, they're pretty keen to get as, as as many kids through the academies so they can then kind of just select one or two kids that I think the conversion to go and play professional rugby is you know, 0. something percent. And what again? What, what responsibilities do we have as um, uh, rugby ex rugby professionals, people that are involved in the game, to make sure that the the well being, the mental challenges that come out from kids not making it, um, how can we help to uh, professional clubs to get that bit better? 
Yeah, I think um, Simon. You know, all, all three of us sit on the um, on, on on a players board that uh, you know is, is is made up of guys. You know, uh, over fifty ex players who are still playing uh, living here in Europe, um, who want to give back and, and and safeguard those you know that next generation of players that are coming through. So, um, you know, um, there, there are there's a, there's a medium there for clubs to engage with. You know, we're open to them. You know, reaching out and 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 asking for advice because you know we can't expect people to to know you know the ins and outs and some of the intricacies of, of our cultures and, and the difficulties that we go through unless you know unless we're willing to engage with um with uh, with the coaches and the and the managers and that sort of stuff so there's an education piece i think that's um, you know and, and we've started that process by going into the clubs and and, and running um, those sorts of workshops but um there's a lot of work to be done you know um just just ch- trying to work out who you know who the players are you know on the ground here is is you know and, and creating a, an up-to-date databases you know is takes a lot of man power and it's really difficult now because clubs aren't just recruiting through um, you know through the, the traditional ways of, of having a, a go-between with an agent uh, quite often there's no agent involved it's you know um, clubs are getting in touch with players particularly in France now with with players over Facebook um, and just seeing their videos and just reaching out to them directly so there's very you know it's getting harder and harder to know where they are and so there's yeah there's um we, you know we need to keep up to, up to date with all of those you know those methods um, and, and what's happening you know the game's constantly changing um, educating the parents is, is a big part of that um, you know for the you know for the for the young kids that are about to embark on careers over here in Europe uh, making sure that parents are part of that decision making process and the education process and and as as Johnny said you know that they're not putting you know huge expectations on those players um, you know who are just starting off their careers um, you know um, yeah lots of work to do yeah and I, and I think Johnny uh, brought up a good point before about the PRPW I mean sorry the um, Players Association um, you know in terms of um, helping him sort of set up for after for life after rugby and maybe that might be something that we might want to put pressure on them in terms of academy of boys making sure that they also, where they're doing the rugby, but also getting in a bit of studies here and there, because not only is it good for them for, you know, if they do pick up a few injuries, they, they've got something to fall back on, but also gives them a bit of balance where they're not just doing rugby full time, they're doing a bit of rugby, doing a bit of, um, whether it's coaching or barbering and that, it just sort of takes that pressure off them and also gives them a bit of balance in life as well. So, um, so they're not always overthinking about rugby all the time. So, I'm just telling telling kids about the reality of it as well. To be honest, if you think about it, like uh, we say, you got to work hard, you got to have this work ethic, you got to have all these skills to be a professional rugby player. But sometimes it's not just that. Like you're competing with, you're say competing with 30 other guys to take four spots. Not everyone's going to get that opportunity to be yeah. a professional rugby player. So if they know that there's that there's those know those percentages, then obviously they they can work as hard as they can. But it's not always going to be like a fairy tale ending. Yeah. If, if if they think there is going to be a fairy tale ending and they don't get there, then that's when they'll sort of sort of start you know you know getting down on themselves that they're not good enough. But sometimes it's just the reality that it's just mm-hmm. not enough spots around the place. And that's why you see a lot of us over, uh, a lot of us PI boys are on this side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Savage but fair. The um, and, and Johnny, do you, just just taking that a step further? Do you think because of your professionalism in rugby, and you know, perhaps there's a bit of money for some people, um, some kids have actually lost sight of actually we all got into rugby because we love throwing an egg around. 
Do, do you see that? Do you see that's a that's a that's a big thing? Kids are getting more into it because they want to be a superstar, want to get a bit of money in their pocket. Yeah, hundred percent. A lot of them don't want to go through the process. <laughs> a lot of them see like young players being superstars, and they think they could be superstars at that age. But like I said before, it doesn't work for all. Like sometimes, yeah. sometimes it is luck. You know, luck with your hard work. Sometimes you you wait on an injury. You, like you take, for example, a guy here, um, Luke James, who's one of the young players, uh, didn't get many um, England uh, under-20 games, but he's a regular starter here. He's, what, 21 and nearly played 60-odd 60, 60 yeah, games for the club, mm. you know? A lot more than a lot of the other boys who are starting over him in England as well, so it's good. Uh, and I just think it's, it's yeah, it's, I won't say it's luck, but... Sometimes it just works out that way, if you know what I mean. Rugby. Rugby. Sammy, you're, um, and, and we'll, we'll move on to uh, another topic in a minute. Sammy, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're one person that I've met that, that, that truly does have a love for the egg. And even at the tender age, I think you're about 45 now. Um, you're still playing on a Saturday in uh, Northwest Division 7, collecting as many red cards as you've traditionally Traditionally, what 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 drives you to keep playing, mate? Um, he wants to well, be the, he wants to be the oldest Tongan <laughs> playing, and he's got some pretty uh, <laughs> stiff competition in Mama Molotika and uh, <laughs> Tafal Felice. Uh, you know, I think Aleki Latu is still running around. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just, it's um, you know, we all have, still have that love for the game and that, and um, you know, for me. Um, my boys are getting a bit older now. Got my, my boys 18, 17 and 16 and that. So for me, I want to carry on playing and hopefully play of all three of them. So I'm giving them another few more years. But at the same time, it helps keep me fit. Uh, helps me feel young as well. You know, playing rugby, you know, uh, for Bowdoin now. You know, you've got really young boys playing there. So, you know, it makes me feel young as well. And I get to have a few drinks with them afterwards. But, you know, if I can... Uh, Kill a couple of kids every here, every, every now and then, mate. That makes me put a smile on my face. Well, yeah, it's funny enough because uh, Sammy's teams uh, could be in the same grade as uh, the uni team I coach. And I was thinking, oh, I might strip up for a bit, but now we might be playing against Sammy. I was like, oh, no thanks. <laughs> for eight, so what, Johnny, it'd only be about 10 minutes. <laughs> I won't I worry about that. Uh, Johnny, while we've uh, while we've got you, and, and listen, we really appreciate you being frank and open with us. Um, uh, so thank you for that. Um, thinking back to when you and Dan played together for Samoa, um, can you pick a, a pick a highlight for us? Is this on or off field? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with on, and then we'll do it my memory, while, while, he's, while, he's think, while he's thinking of one, I've, uh, my definite highlight of, of playing with, with Johnny was uh, our World Cup prep uh, lead up into the 2011 <laughs> World Cup. And um, we were staying, uh, we'd been shafted a bit because the Samoan Rugby Union had shifted us from a four-star hotel where every every World Cup uh, team is supposed to be in a minimum four-star hotel. They'd put us in a, uh, a uh, backpackers to... Um, to save money um, um, we didn't know at the time that they were just siphoning it all off <laughs> but um, um, so they put us in those backpackers and we were all sitting around playing cards uh, in one of our rooms and um, one of the one of the, the other guys our, our hooker Oli Ave had um, came into the room he goes oh I think we've got a ghost we've got a ghost in our room and he was really looking really white 
And we're like, well, why do you say that? And he goes, every time I put the soap in the shower, um, I come back and it's, and it's, and it's been, and it's moved. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, no one's been in the shower, in the bathroom, but it's always on the other side of the room. And we're like, well, let's, how's that possible? Like, and he's like, obviously you've just chucked it across there. And he's like, no, 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 I promise to God. I, I, I put it in the same spot every morning I wake up on the first sign up and it's moved across the other side of the room. So we tested his theory and um, yeah, um, look, look around a bit, find um, behind the, um, you know, there's no explanation for the soap moving across the room, but it happens in the next three days, three days we, we keep checking up. Um, we're just playing cards one day and, um, and, and, um, all of a sudden, we see the biggest rat you've ever seen in your life <laughs> come running, running out from behind a hole in the behind the toilet, drag the soap, pick up the bar of soap, and try and pull it across the room. And it's basically eating the eating the soap. And once where everyone sees this this rat, Johnny was playing cards. I've never seen anyone scream at such a high pitch or jump <laughs> as quickly off a bed as I've ever seen in my life to the fact where I thought, flipping heck, why am I jumping in the line? I was saying, this guy can jump, this has got a vertical jump better than I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I, must, I, must have, I must have had too many head knocks in my time because I can't remember that. <laughs> Johnny, it's your turn to get your own back now, mate. Oh, to be honest, it just... Just the whole experience of Samoa. Like when I look back at Samoa, there's no no individual sort of time. It's just more collectively as the time uh, we spent as yeah. I can't sorry, I can't say there's one special time. But I know he's a special person. <laughs> <laughs> how do you um? How do you balance uh, an international career with? Uh, it's probably less important in today's age because of where the money comes from. But how do you balance an international career with your club, who who obviously pays the day to day cash into your bank account? How, how's that? That's probably a question for all three of you, really. And we'll start with you, Johnny. Though to be fair, it wasn't wasn't too bad here as long as you didn't come back injured. <laughs> <laughs> and if you were, you had to pretend you were. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> usually we'd have like the June test, and that's when the boys come back in for preseason. And as long as you come back. Uh, Non-injured and fit, you're okay. I never really, I never really had any problems. To be fair, um, Don's is quite good. Where he um, he wanted us to play international rugby because then once we play international rugby, it's it's a good look for the club as well. So, so Sammy, uh, yeah, I never sort of played international uh, while I was here at Sale, but uh, in terms of uh, social games like the Barbarians and that, Don's would never let me go. <laughs> <laughs> Is that is that more disciplinary than injuries? Yeah, probably. Yeah, you probably <laughs> knew that I was going to have more weeks off than uh, than I would. So, because you'd have one week on the bus, free off. <laughs> <laughs> um, Johnny, listen, uh, we're going to uh, we, we we're running out of time. I appreciate you've got to go and coach. Um, so, thank you very much for your open. Um, uh, openness, your uh, and your and your kind of forthright views um, are very very welcome. You're listening to the Red Car Club with me, Sammy Kibbe, Sammy Tuitupu, and Dan Leo. Johnny, thanks again for joining us. Um, do you want to just give us a couple of minutes about the work that you're doing um, in terms of your blog? So the blog, the, I started up my blogging just. Oh, I guess now I look back and reflect on it, it was the way of dealing with the injury I had, and obviously coming towards the end of my career. I just thought, you know, well, I might as well show what I do as a professional and what it takes to you know, get through these um, these injuries 
and get insight from um, other players as well. So uh, I used it as post-transition. So I, I um, did a blog and I interviewed a few guys who have made that transition again just to prepare myself for <clears throat> for the transition and just to get an insight really. And just is a lot helpful than I thought it would have been during the time because then now I can relate, like a year on out of the game, I can relate to what these boys were saying. And as, as a player at times, you don't really listen to it when it's been told to you. Like you're listening, but you're not actually listening to the mm-hmm. details. And for doing that, I, I found it helped. And just to get perspective on um, on the real world is what the, uh, the blog covers. And then obviously, while I was a rugby player, uh, an insight of, uh, being a professional rugby player and what we deal with uh, day in, day out, because everyone sees that as the dream job, but they don't see the struggles that come with it. So obviously the, the injuries is a big one, team selections. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much what the blog covers. Awesome. And Johnny, uh, where, where can we follow that and uh, that, that blog and what, what are the handles, mate? <laughs> Just uh, go to uh, www.rugbyarns.com. Or go on to uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and look up Rugby Arns, and then you should see a very good-looking guy on there that looks like The Rock. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Johnny. I'll send you a picture later. Um, uh, we can also get these links on uh, on our website, of course, which is www.redcarders.com. And Johnny will put all the links to uh, go through to those variety of social media things for you as that. Um, so th- thanks again for that, Johnny. Gents. That's fine. Is, yes, is it the red cards that go off the red lights? The- <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll wrap this one up now. Um, the, uh, <laughs> the Northern Massive are getting a bit... Uh, uh, it's, obviously, it's obviously gone past 10 o'clock and the, uh, the, the Jackie D's out. And that's it for this year. Um, thank you for listening to the first two episodes of the Red Card Club. In the new year, we'll take some deep dives into concussion and dementia, as well as interviewing our very own Dan Leo in terms of uh, looking at his Oceans Apart documentary, which is tackling corruption in sports. So we wish you all the best for the new year and uh, wishing uh, lots of nice recovery time for those in the game and uh, here's to a better 2021. See you next year, Red Carders. Thanks for listening to the Red Card Club. All links from today's show are available at www.redcarders.com. This podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or anywhere else you might find your podcasts. This podcast is rugby.